0: This is the Daily Dispatch Podcast with your business correspondent, Ted Keenan.
1: Today, Dispatch Live is talking to Ian Russell. Ian, you're a non-executive director of RB Africa. Your current focus is business strategy across a huge array of sectors. But let's start with your background. You came through fire and brimstone. At Mercedes Benz in the 80s. Tell us a little bit about
0: that, please. Ted, yes, um, it, it was a, a remarkable journey. Um, at that stage, I was a practicing attorney up in uh, Zuland. And uh, but I'm not quite sure how it happened, but I was contacted by somebody from Johannesburg. And the message was that Mercedes Benz was on the point of closure, that they had tried local attorneys that had, had Johannesburg attorneys, but it simply wasn't working, and would I come down and have a look and see whether or not I could help at all? Well, I did, and ironically it was on the uh, 24th of November, 1988, and uh, the chairman of the of benz Sepp von Hullen, had all of the management, who were white, when I say management, right down to the supervisors, in the training centre which is outside of the plant. And his words were, we cannot go on. It is the end. Well, one thing led to another, and um, I was able to go into the plant and uh, see what was going on. And they had really been faced, it was a critical period. The season really had reached a a crossroads. Either they were going to close down or find a solution. Well, as it turned out, uh, I met Mtutazila Tom, the president of NUMSA, he was addressing six thousand workers, and uh, his words were interesting. When I spoke to him afterwards, he said to me, "Look, I am a revolutionary. I will fight the struggle until the bitter end, but we don't want to destroy this country. We also don't want to destroy Benz. We love it, and but we are it is not the colour of the skin on the outside that counts, but it is the heart and the inside that really counts. And when I listened to these words and the way he spoke and the way he led that crowd, I knew instinctively then that Mercedes-Benz could be turned around because the commitment and the passion was there. Well, one thing led to another and um, we embarked on what was referred to as a peace mission. And that really was a very difficult situation. There were strikes every single day. It was really out of control. But we negotiated what I would say was probably the first partnership agreement between management and the union. And I think more and more we recognized as leadership that it was our responsibility, firstly, our management, to create an environment within which every employee and their teams could unlock their true potential in meeting the company's objectives. And the company's objectives, of course, were based on performance. They were not negotiable. And those simply were we had to deliver quality on time at the right price. And we had to have people who were genuinely really committed, who shared a vision, who really were happy to work together, including the union, to support us. Otherwise, we were going to close. It was really as simple as that. So that was a very tough journey. At that point in time, I started off as a human resource board member, but then became manufacturing board member. What we did was to say what I've just referred to as a performance criteria was non-negotiable. But we did want to find criteria for the human resource side because we recognized that the external environment was playing such a massive role on the way people behaved and the way they thought internally. So we started a process with the union. We agreed on a plan to ensure that everybody had a decent home or accommodation. And many of the employees lived in the, in the squatter areas. So that was the one aspect. The other aspect, that everybody had to be literate and numerate to a certain level, and that had to happen within a period of time between three and five years. It was something we achieved. We also removed any semblance of apartheid. Any di- discrimination was absolutely unacceptable. We then were basically, once we began to stabilise things, after a very, very serious dismissal of nearly a thousand people, what then happened is that we were given a very clear instruction from Germany that we had a certain period of time within which to become internationally competitive, failing which, that would have been the end. We were given a specified time, and um, the leadership team took incredible it took a great deal of courage, but most importantly, absolute commitment and dedication to achieve those targets. And this, the process of we'd used was really just trial and error. At that stage, we'd never heard about the balanced scorecard. But in a sense, we actually pioneered the balanced scorecard, which is really just looking at what we would be able to cascade right down to the shop floor. So, for example, right down to the shop floor means right down to the teams themselves. There wasn't the modern technology there is today, so it was manual. And we basically took scorecards on every single team in terms of what they were responsible for in terms of the performance criteria, including the people. We looked at the service areas and we made sure that the service level agreements, and here I'm talking about human resources, finance, engineering, logistics, that they focus on meeting the needs of the people who actually put the parts on the vehicle assembly line. So it was a real focus of looking. We were there to empower the people who were actually doing the work. Now, that much of what we were doing, I think, slowly began to uh, change the mindset. In terms of application of the policies which we negotiated and consulted extensively, we were absolutely, I'd say, almost ruthless in the application. So there were many managers dismissed, we were uncompromising on things like theft. If you stole anything, didn't matter how valuable it was, that was dismissal. Alcohol was dismissal. So the basic removal of any semblance of discrimination was dismissal. So I think the, it, we prepared to be seen as leadership who were caring, not only caring about employees, but to also prepared to stand by the principles which we had committed ourselves to and build a new culture, new value system. Now, what we were really doing was developing an operating model. Now that model, which we used then, which was really about a very, very effective communication model where with very defined rules. So if there was a problem, you had to fix that problem immediately or put it into a process which was fixed immediately. You could never pass another problem away. So it was, in a sense, a, a process of the Japanese continuous improvement, the green areas. But it was our design. Which everybody bought into. That model itself, which we used, in terms of taking it, integrating the team right through to the, the senior people, is something that is still there today. It is a lot more advanced and has been extended into the supplier chain. And you know, Mercedes-Benz could show that, despite the crisis, they could become internationally competitive.
1: Well, today they are one of the leading Mercedes manufacturers. In the world. You're quite right, And that's where it started.
0: And that is where it started. So the foundation was laid. In 1997, we were integrated into the uh, Worldwide Manufacturing Network, which is a major step forward. I left in 1997. Um, I chose to stay in East London. Um, Otherwise, I would have had to go to Europe. And I chose to stay because I simply love South Africa, and I'd absolutely fallen in love with the Eastern Cape. uh, It certainly is one of the most beautiful areas in the world and should be a preferred destination, a sought-after destination by international travellers, by tourists locally. It really really is a hidden gem.
1: If we fast-forward 30-odd years, you were talking about, in our chat before we started Mm -hmm. the meeting, you were talking about trying to get some sort of scorecard
0: mm.
1: into probably BCM, perhaps other mm. agencies, mm. and doing it through the Border Card Chamber mm. of Business. Mm. And I know you haven't discussed that, this with them, mm. but in a nutshell, how would that actually work? Because it, we certainly have to jack up mm. the municipality.
0: To, um, it's a good question. That Look, I have a very simple... Uh, Answer to that is that, um, you know, whether you have a big organization, a multinational, or a small operation, the same principles apply. There are certain things which are non negotiable. You develop a scorecard where you have very clear measures and targets. You have an operating model which integrates and aligns everything. You need to make sure that everybody has the right skills. And you've got to lead and build a culture where you really do support the people who do the work to achieve their targets and recognise them and reward them for performance. Now, is a municipality any different from a Mercedes-Benz or any other international organisation, or big, large organisation? No, it's not. So, if you look at the Buffalo City Municipality, basically, the first thing is they've got to have a vision, which they live, and they have a value system which is there, but it's. I think if you ask people in this, none of them would even know what it is. Because you judge people' leadership by the way they demonstrate their commitment to a shared vision and the way they do their work and and live their lives. In terms of delivery, the business community needs to act in unison with one voice to look at what is required by them, first and foremost to get investment or to retain investments that are here, retain jobs if possible and most importantly become investors to achieve further investments. Now what do they want from the municipality? The municipality has a legal obligation a constitutional obligation to create an environment for which is conducive to these investments. So the first thing is you need a scorecard and here I'm talking about a scorecard which is basically based on what they have to deliver. It's not a question of choice and they have to be held accountable. So We've got water. They've got to provide water which is drinkable not only to the people who are living in in the up end of the market, but to those people who living in checks. The business sector need it, and of course they need it just as much. Mm. So what are the other generic aspects? They've got to supply reliable power, at a cost effective power. Everybody needs it. So it's not only MCE spans or IDZ that needs it. Everybody needs it. Are we doing, have we got a measure and we got targets? No, we don't. How do you assess performance? We can't assess performance. Is it possible to do? Yes, it is. Other municipalities in South Africa are doing far more than we are doing in Buffalo City. If you look at the roads, the infrastructure, it's their responsibility. Not national roads, but our road infrastructure around East London. It's full of potholes. Are they held accountable? Do we know what the standard is, which would be conducive to People's expectation to come here? No.
1: But that would be an ideal place to start surely yes. because it's visible. Mm. Everybody uses mm. it in some form or other. Good. And the improvement can be immediate. Absolutely. Start one street at a time, yes. one
0: pothole at mm. a time. Mm. Now, did you say something important here? The important thing is that business has to act in unison. You know, they must not be apologetic about putting in place a scorecard, they can consult. The municipality, but at the same time, it's not a question of alienating or attacking anybody. It's objective; they've got to deliver. It's not about the NC or the DEA or EFF or anybody else for that matter. Mm. This is about what we expect if if they want us to bring investment in. The the um, president can appoint as many people as he likes, the big hitters, to go and try and track these billion round investments. Where these investments will come from if Mercedes-Benz, our international companies, J&J and every single person becomes an ambassador to say, look, come to the Eastern Cape, it's it's really beautiful. They are doing everything possible to reduce crime. They're working together with communities. There's no point in putting in cameras and everything else and letting the townships and the squatter areas become havens for crime. That's in fact, with, if it's coming from there, put in, go to the root and help put in solutions there. It is not a a privilege to have security companies around you all the time. We need to have a situation where all people in the province are are protected and they feel safe.
1: Ian, we've run out of time, but it's been a pleasure interviewing you. And perhaps when the scorecard is integrated into Board of Car Chamber of Mm. Business, Mm. the E-Businesses, the BCM. It'll be fun to do another interview with you. Thank you for your time.
0: Thank you. Just as a last word, you know, Mandela said it's the future's in our hands, and it really is in our hands. But what it does require is the leadership to take us forward with resolve and genuine belief in what they're doing is right, to put the right structures in place. And we've got many, many very good business leaders here who actually know what to do and how to do it. But we've got to get those people together and business have got to lead the way. They've got to write the book and not read the book. And that, I think, is something we can do, but we're not going to do it unless the leadership, particularly the chamber and the business sector, take the lead.
1: Thank you again and thank you for the summing up.